Raji, Lily, you guys haven't met before. It's so nice to meet you. But you guys have both been at the same facilities. What does that mean? The same facility, like church, the same bathroom, church, <laughs> maybe the same bathroom. Oh, I thought you meant we're, we've used the same bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun fact! Hi, welcome to Well Said Red with Lily and Deb. We're two redheads bringing our chats to headphones near you. Talk soon. Yeah. Hi, Lily. Hello. It's so nice to meet you officially. Nice to meet you too. Lily and I didn't actually know each other when Raji and I, Raji was the first person I met at Liberty. Really? I was? Yes. You were the first, well, you're the first contact I had, I guess. I met oh. you the first day I was there and then you introduced me to Abby Doherty. Ah. Oh, really? Wow. Oh. So Raji, what did you do in New York and then what made you move? Mm, my goodness. I'm originally from Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area. It's sort of a lie. I'm from Orange County, but I don't like to tell people that. So that can just be our secret. I see. <laughs> I'm from Los Alamitos, California. Very proud of Los Alamitos, though, because it's not. <laughs> this is terrible. It's not Newport Beach. Um, Burn. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Laguna. It's not Dana Point. Um I'm from Los Alamitos from Southern California. I went to New York in 2010 to attend the Tisch School of the Arts at mm. NYU, which my friends and I called the Tushy School of the Farts. Hilarious. For a while. Uh, I got my BFA in acting, 2013. And then I was there until 2020, acting, uh, working mostly in the professional theater. When I was acting, when I wasn't acting, I was uh, making coffee and coffee shops in Brooklyn and Mm -hmm. waiting tables. And then in 2019, my career, my theatrical career was not moving in the way that I wanted it to. And I thought I'm either going to go to Yale and get an MFA at Yale, or I'm going to move home to Los Angeles to focus on television. And I auditioned at Yale and I actually got further in the process than, than a lot of people do. Uh, But I didn't make it all the way, which thank God, because I didn't need more training. <laughs> and then when I didn't get in, then the COVID took over. Right. And I thought, oh, I'm out of here sooner than I thought. And so I left and came home. Gotcha. Has it been a good move for you? Define good. Are you happy with how things have worked out with you moving back? Hmm. Should save that's this a, question that, for the a, interview. <laughs> what'd you say? Think on that. We'll get back to it. <laughs> No, that's a very good question because happy can be defined in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am redefining what brings me happiness, what brings me joy and how those are two very separate things. Yeah. I am glad I moved home. I'll put it that way. I'm very, very glad I moved home. And it's just as difficult in Los Angeles, if not more difficult as an actor than it was in New York. In fact, I think it's harder here Mm -hmm. because Los Angeles is much more image conscious than New York. And, but I love television. I love television and I love theater too, but I love television. So yes. Yeah. I am happy. The thing is when you ask me a question, you're going to get my whole verbal process, which sorry. That's what we want. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's the whole point of the podcast. (laughs) It's really just us verbally processing everything all the time. So you're in, you're with the right people. And honestly, I can't even tell you how validating just hearing you say that is because that's what I've been saying also since I moved to New York. Yeah, it's like the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, I didn't like LA because of these things, which is why I moved to New York. 
when I was dealing with acting. And so it is very funny to hear like also the reverse when you move back, still right. like a very similar um, experience. Totally. So totally. Also, but I do love LA. Yeah. LA is fun. Also, I did um, over here to Tish students the other day um, down my street, I was reading and eavesdropping at the same time as I've been known to do. And they were so obnoxious. Oh, I no. could not even tell you. Like this man oh, was no. an asshole. <laughs> the, the, these are the students? They were graduates. Maybe uh, like you knew grad them. acting? Like they had already finished their grad acting programs. Yes. Or grad film programs at, at somewhere. Okay. Like the girl mentioned Tish. The guy also did. But I don't know what specific program they were in. Didn't get that in my eavesdropping. But the guy could not stop talking about himself. Hmm. It was... Oh so funny and the girl that sounds annoying that doesn't sound funny well it was annoying i felt bad for the girl who was supposedly his friend in this instance because she could not get a word in it was oh no <laughs> like, i don't think that that is specific to tish though i mean like that's no no it was just ironic I was just there you go there you go yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was the irony yes <laughs> um but it did make me laugh i was like oh <laughs> sweet 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 children <laughs> um okay let's start the show let's do it Welcome back to another episode of Well Said Red, episode 12, right? Oh, I'm glad you remember that. I think it's 12. Oh, my gosh. And we have a second guest in a row. This is actually very exciting for us. Mm -hmm. It's our first Zoom guest. Our first Zoom guest. We are learning new technological things every day and chatting with more friends. We are. And we're very excited to welcome Raji Asan, who is, Hello. did I say that right? Raji Asan, yeah. I just double-guessed myself really fast, and I was like... Wait a second. How you didn't say Roger Ashan, which is that's that, that's fine. Thank God. Um, <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like I don't even know you. Um, but I'm gonna read his cool bio because it's pretty freaking epic. Absolutely. Um, so Raji is an actor, teacher, and writer based in Los Angeles, California, my home state. He appeared on on and off Broadway stage with notably most notably alec baldwin and henry winkler which i didn't actually know so that's exciting. oh yeah that was he was great oh on television he's appeared in shows such as shameless new amsterdam and minx i've seen two of the three of those so i'm pretty excited about that <laughs> um and as a teacher where is um where i've known raji a lot <laughs> where we spend a lot of our time together. Um, Raji has developed a curriculum marrying acting, training, and biblical faith to help people learn to breathe through fear and remain present when nerves say to run or to fight. Raji has worked with churches, businesses, and post-secondary educational institutions to spread his belief that there is nothing literally and figuratively you cannot breathe through. You were created to breathe, which I love that you ended your bio that way. Wow, what a beautiful bio. Honestly. Thanks. Um, so Raji, welcome to the pod. Yo. <laughs> um, Raji and I have known each other for like three-ish years now, maybe a little more or less, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. And um, Lily and Raji, I think just three met minutes. About three minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three minutes. <laughs> Which is really exciting. So I'm gonna be doing the majority, I think, of the interviewing, but yes. Lily, feel free to jump in with any follow-ups i will any... have i'm getting to know raji at the same time the listeners are so i, I will have many questions <laughs> i can't wait and raji i know town. how excited you are about questions and answers i love talking that's the problem i love <laughs> the sound of my own voice but i did pay three six figures for it so that's 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 where we know <laughs> it matters yeah <laughs> it's a good thing to like your voice after that yeah <laughs> um so raji we're just going to start a little bit with the basics um mm. 
How many years were you in New York before you moved back to California? Because I know you're originally from California. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many years do you, can, can you call yourself an actual New Yorker? Do you feel good about that? <laughs> I was in New York for a decade. And at the at that made it at the end of the time there, all of my my landlords who are from there called me a New Yorker. So I don't know if I can call myself a New Yorker. You'd have to ask other New Yorkers. I think that's a a rave review though. Like yeah. if your New York landlords can call you a New Yorker, yeah, that's legit. That's all I yeah, want. I I love them and I miss them very very much. I was walking, I was on a hike in the Hollywood Hills as people do when they move to LA two days ago with a friend and there were these tourists in front of us that were taking their sweet time and like staring at the Hollywood sign and looking at the observatory. And I looked at my friend who's moving to New York soon. And I said, this is a great exercise for you. This is how you get through Times Square. And I just barreled through them. (laughs) And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, you just have to, you have to split people with your energy. Yeah, throw an elbow. I taught my mom how to do that on the Brooklyn Bridge once. I, she, she was looking down when she was walking. I said, "Mom, you need to look up and look above everybody's heads. And if you look above everybody's heads and you just charge through, they will park for you." I still and look I think, at the ground. <laughs> I think oh, when I know people learn that, <laughs> when you learn that, and you learn that you can part people like God part of the Red Sea. Then I think you're a New Yorker. I think that's fair. Yeah. I honestly love that definition more than the ten year rule. Mm-hmm. So thank you. <laughs> I, I now know what I need to succeed as a yeah, it's more action oriented than the 10 year rule. Yeah. You have to it's actually measurable. apply it. Yeah. So it's 10 years. I like that. I honestly, I feel good about that. Right. It's like that. How I met your mother episode where, um, they have a whole argument about when you're a New Yorker and someone says, oh, what do 10 they say? Years. So I forget, I'll have to look it up. Um, but they had different actions where it's like, Oh, who cares how long it's been. If you have thrown an elbow to get to the train before the door closes, if you've cried on the sidewalk if you oh. they had a long list and the ultimate like moral of the episode was robin ended up doing all like five of those things by the end of the episode so she oh, was like brilliant. oh it was like you have to like kill a roach with your bare hand like brilliant. along those lines well i've and done then, all of that exactly. except for the roach I, I caught a roach and threw it out the window i mean that's the that's same. very humane i think i mean throwing it out the window <laughs> I mean, fourth story walk up lily i Come on. Still, still. <laughs> I feel like mine just see the end of a shoe more often than not. Or the Swiffer. I just, I just go without, I just, I, I constantly go to the Swiffer. You I'm just like, drown them with fluid. No, I don't even use the fluid. No, I just use it as a, yeah, I smack it with strong, <laughs> strong arm with a Swiffer. That's what I have. A baseball bat. That's yes. what that is. Exactly. Exactly. It's Amazing. for all the critters that you just never knew you would see. <laughs> um, but maybe we'll have to post that list in the show notes. Yeah, we'll have to do a poll. I feel like maybe we might have to do those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one way or the other, Raji made it. Raji did make it. Yes, he did make it. <laughs> yeah. You and I, the verdict's still out, but he made it. <laughs> That's all that really matters. That was the only real question there. <laughs> I made it. Um, so along with that, do you have a favorite New York memory? And I have oh. a suspicion of what it might be, but I yes, want to Yes, I do. I absolutely do. The first thing that comes to mind is a horrible, I mean, I don't even want to tell this story publicly, but. Well, you don't have to. Well. But we'd love it if you did. <laughs> we don't have that many <sighs> listeners if it makes you feel better. <laughs> I, Okay. That's a complete New York moment. Another New York moment was getting nearly getting mugged in the subway and stabbed right <gasps> after I moved there. I should have told that story, but oh, we have time. What's that story? Oh, okay. So that was <laughs> that was right after I moved there. This is like a month after I moved in. 
to my dorm downtown and I listened to Broadway cast recordings. Like that was my job. Like it still is my, I was listening to Wicked before we did this. And I was listening to Promises, Promises because there's a new Christian Chenoweth thing. It was a revival with Christian and Sean Hayes. And, and I could see myself playing the Sean Hayes role. I was listening to it and I was bopping along. Like I was doing the choreography in the subway, like some little idiot. And I hit this man. <laughs> I hit this guy and he looks at me and he goes, I'm sorry, can I curse on this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, he turns to me and goes, what the fuck is your problem? Mm. And I said, oh, I took in my headphone. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. He goes, do you realize I could fuck you up right now? Starts taking <gasps> a knife out of his pants. Yes. And then this, the crowd, the subway pulled into the station and the, and the crowd got off the train and he saw the crowd and he freaked out and he ran. And then I ran the other way and there was this group of women getting off of the A train at Canal Street and I attached myself to them because I didn't want to be alone, right? And they mm -hmm. saw me and they thought I was a creep. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. This is a man with a knife. It's not me. They're like, oh, get away from us. And I was like, oh, you get, you don't, you don't get it. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Wow. I wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah, no, nor did I. I got in the elevator just about cried, but. Was so that your crying on the train moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, my crying on the train moment. See, you, we're going to be here for hours because I just don't <laughs> stop talking. My crying on the train moment was when my grandma was dying. And I, that was awful. I mean, it was just awful. And I knew that I wouldn't see her again, but she wasn't gone yet. But I knew I couldn't get back to California in time because I was doing a play. Mm. And I always thought that she would die while I was under contract to something. <sighs> and I couldn't get away. And I was on the train and I was sobbing. And this is New York City. I cannot see this happening in Los Angeles. That's not true. Perhaps I could, but I'm sitting on the subway sobbing. And this woman looks at me and she just opens her arms. And she said, can I give you a hug? And I wow. said, yes. And then I just sobbed in a stranger's arms. Mm. Oh my These gosh. are all great New York moments, aren't they? Excellent New York moment. We're redefining what a New Yorker means. I think we have <laughs> I heard a story the other day about people talking about like their cry yeah. on the train stories. Cause everyone yeah. I feel like has a first, like when did New York break you almost kind of story. <laughs> yes. What was the first moment you really felt that. Um, and someone was talking yeah. about like how New Yorkers are often perceived as very like mean people, right? Like the rest of the country thinks they're rude. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, they're efficient. They just show their love differently. And he shared the story about how there was a girl crying on the train and she just like kind of kept going on and on, like having a hard day. And the woman next to her pulls out a tissue, mm. hands it to her and says, that's enough. And he's like, this is why I think, because like, that's, she got the tissue. She helped her. Like, are you physically safe? And then that'll do. You're good. And I thought, what a, I, and I really just like, what an excellent <laughs> way yeah. of being like, here you go. I'm helping your problem. But my problem is like, when I see people crying on the subway, I'm immediately like, what is wrong in your life? Like, I'm mm -hmm. like making up stories in my brain. Mm -hmm. Like what, what's just happened? Like, I need to know, like, I, I'm like so involved in what could be happening. I'm making it a movie in my brain. Mm -hmm. And so then I just like think to just, I, I just don't think enough to like actually offer help. I'm just like, oh, but I know you, Devin. You, I mean, you would uh, absolutely offer help if, if you somebody saw like actually felt uh, like if I felt like they needed something, I would do something. Yeah, you but, would absolutely offer help if you felt 
compelled to like really talk to a stranger. I know it's true. It is true. And I, I'm just waiting for that moment. Cause I do, I, I do think it's coming. Maybe that will make, <laughs> I'm sure you'll have your chance. <laughs> I hope so. I agree. Um, okay. So jumping a little bit from your New York time to now jumping into breath work, I personally mm. would love to know, and I know like bits and pieces of this. So I'm curious kind of your own um, take on this, but when did you first discover the power of breath work or just breath work in general? That's a great question. That's a really good question, Devin. I've never been asked when I discovered the power of it. Hmm. (laughs) What comes to mind, I mean, breath work is, is, it's all related to identity, the way that you communicate, the way that you talk to the world, literally talk. We often hear people say, like, well, let find your voice, find your voice, find your voice. And they mean your, your purpose in life. They mean your, your will to move forward. They don't mean your actual, uh, you know, they don't mean your actual, uh, they don't mean that. But I do when I'm asking people to find their voice, because that is tied to your emotional voice. We have our emotional voices and we have our physical voices and our physical voices express our emotional voices. And I didn't know, I did not know that when I was 17, I wasn't trying, I wasn't showing the world Raji. I was trying to be Ellen DeGeneres. Mm. I'm not kidding. I was trying to be a comedian talk show host a really entertaining animated person that could entertain you away from seeing my pain, from seeing my brokenness, from seeing where I didn't measure up, from seeing where I was hiding shame. I didn't realize any of that stuff. I was just in total performance. And that's why I thought I wanted to be an actor because I was extremely entertaining. Hmm. And then I ended up in acting training and at the end of the first semester of training, my acting teacher said to me, which I think I've said this in other shows, but she said to me, you have the need to be entertaining because you deeply dislike yourself. Wow. And you don't want us to see you. And when you can learn to accept yourself and everything that it brings along with it and put that in your work, the true entertainer will arise. Mm -hmm. You will be genuinely entertaining as opposed to performatively entertaining. Mm -hmm. And thus began this journey for me to calm down. Mm -hmm. Because when we are afraid in our lives, we do one of two things. We either hide or we puff up. And that that (laughs) that can shift and change depending upon who the audience is, right? If I'm with somebody that I perceive to have greater status than I, it's likely that I will hide. Hmm. If with somebody, if I'm with somebody that I perceive to have lower status than I, it's likely that I will puff up. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was living in constant puff. And so this, there, I started on this journey to calm down and actually express myself genuinely. And breath work, the breath work that we did in voice class calmed my mind down so I could actually 
think, feel, perceive what was going on inside. Hmm. And then when I calmed down, my actual voice came forward. I wish I could play you. I don't, Devin, I don't know if I've played it for you, but there's a recording of me speaking in high school and you think I was trying to be Ellen DeGeneres. Really? Yeah, I'm, it sounds nothing like the way I sound now. I want to hear that at some point. Oh, yeah, I'm actually, I think it's going to be the next episode of my podcast. <gasps> um, Excellent. Woohoo. But so it all, I mean, it all started there. I realized that when you, when you breathe, you calm down. Mm. And also when you, you can't make your authentic voice without deep breath and you can't remain calm without deep breath. Therefore, your authentic voice can calm you down. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, Honestly, like your authentic voice can calm you down. It speaks so much to just like knowing yourself and knowing like whose you are, honestly, at the Uh, end of the day. And -hmm. I think that that's something that one, as somebody who like strives so much to be authentic, it's, Mm -hmm. it is, it's such a calming mechanism to just be so real, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes, I do. When yes, your when your teacher told you that, what what was your immediate reaction? Was I that wanted kind to of, punch her in the face, right? Like, because that's a that's a harsh <laughs> reality check, honestly. Yeah, that that's all training was 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 a harsh reality check, following a harsh reality check, following uh, like a, a medium soft harsh reality check. Like that's all acting training was. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot to say about the way that I was trained, um, and I don't want to speak for my classmates. Um, I can only speak for myself, but I have a lot to say about the way that I was trained, save for three teachers at NYU who were incredibly safe. Teresa McElwee, voice and dialect, Kyle Fable, who directed James Joyce's The Dead. He directed that when I was in that. And Tylee Ross, my singing teacher. Those three teachers really showed me what performance can be. Mm. Every other teacher I had. Well, that's such a lie. That's not true. That's not true. I can't speak for the other ones. There are a few that were really, really frightening to me and very unsafe. But those three, I can say, were the safest. Teresa, Kyle, and Tylee. Mm. And it's funny, two out of the three of them are voice teachers. Yeah. Interesting. Very inspiring to me, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Uh, this is a great question. Yeah. Great follow-up. Um, <clears throat> so my next question is, and this might be kind of what you're getting at as well, but I'm wondering when you would consider, uh, like in your life, when you discovered your true voice, your authentic voice. Oh, another good hitting question. Hitting you with the hard, the hard ones right off the gate. Don't worry, we'll I'm get just, to some fun ones. <laughs> I'm. Mm. I love the hard ones. I mean, you can, th- the hard ones are fun to me. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I don't think it was a hard and fast. Now I'm here. Sure. Cause it, it's a navigation every day, Devin mm-hmm. and Lily. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a navigation every single day. Like today I went on, I went to post a story on Instagram and I put the camera in front of my face and all of a sudden I changed the way that my head was tilted. And then mm-hmm. I thought to myself, Raji, why did you do that? Why didn't you just leave your head where it was? You are enough as you are. You are fully accepted. You don't have to shift the way your head is so that the light hits your jaw a certain way so you don't look like you gained 12 pounds in the past three months. 
it's it's every day. It's insidious, hmm. you know. And even now, as I'm speaking to you, I'm like, is this me or is this me or is this me? You know, like I I, I do think too much. I'm now in a phase where I think way too much, and I'm hmm. trying to find the other end of the balance where I just what is is, you know. Hmm. Um, but I do remember something that Tylee said to me. Tylee came to see a musical I was doing in town. And we went out to dinner afterwards and he said, that was you. Because when you were singing, that was your voice and you weren't trying to be anybody else. Mm. And so I think it has a lot to do with that. Also, being an actor in the theater, you have ample opportunity to find your voice. Right. And you have, and that's the thing is like acting isn't acting. When you're really doing it, acting is just being. Yeah. It is standing on stage. And my friend Alexander Billings told me this. It's standing on stage and taking all of your clothes off and turning around as slowly as you can. Wow. Yo, right? That'll make that actually got me scared. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was doing a play called Disgraced, actually doing a play called Disgraced, in Ellenville, New York in 2017. That was the play I was doing when my grandma died. Mm. And the director, I just remember feeling really safe with that director to where I could just be me. Mm. And then my voice found itself. And when you spend, I don't know, six weeks playing a character that also feels like you, you begin to carry that into the world. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I love that. I love that kind of like, cause it's one of the things that I love most about you and also just like our sessions together is that you mm. call me out on literally everything and it's yeah. nauseatingly like accurate yes, it is. every time. <laughs> oh, I thought you, oh, it is accurate. I thought oh, it's always it's accurate. nauseatingly uncomfortable, which. Oh, it still- is, but it's also accurate. And it's just <laughs> like in just, it's invigorating in great ways, but also so terrifying in other ways, because I think it's true. Like, even as you're saying, like posting a reel, like we're posting a story, like we don't even realize how often we're doing it when we're adjusting our voice, when we're adjusting our phrasing, how, and, and honestly, I don't even know what we're trying to mimic. Right. I feel like we do Well, we curate everything in our lives. We do. That's another way where you're like curating your own character traits and emotion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I do think it's really, I, I love that one, you're, you're noticing this in yourself, but also it's one of the things that I love about you is you're able to also notice it like in other people and teaching sessions and coaching sessions and be able to like allow them kind of that filter as you've developed it over time. Um, you know, it's amazing. Thank you, Devin. What's amazing is that when, when I'm doing a group class, everybody can feel it. Mm when someone is very brave and stands up and wants to communicate in front of the room and we try to find what is honest. You know, there's always something that's a little too quiet and there's always something that's a little too loud. I don't know if I already said the Goldilocks thing, but it's, it's Goldilocks and the three voices, essentially. Um, she, that's, the, that's the fable where she does the mattresses, right? Like one's too hard, one's too soft, one's just right. It's like Goldilocks and yes. three bears. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just did this class with a student and she said that she always struggles with feeling like she belongs, which by the way, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I said, I want you to say out loud, I did a little breath work, a little resonance work with her. I said, I want you to say, I do belong. And she said, my heart is pounding. And she's surrounded by people she knows. Mm. And she's 
terrified. Talk about how insidious fear is, right? Yeah. And I said, well, first of all, we all agree that you're the most courageous person in the room right now. So it doesn't matter if you're perfect or not perfect. We all agree that you are doing the hardest thing. And then she said, she goes, okay, I'll do it. She goes, I do belong like that. And I said, I wonder if that was too quiet. And she goes, okay, heart pounding even more. She goes, I do belong. And I said, I wonder if that was too performative. And then she goes, oh God, okay. And I said, just lift the word do. Lift, just lift the word do. She said, all right. And then she goes, I do belong. And then the whole room went, because everybody felt it. Mm, right. All it is is acting work. That's acting work. That's just doing the scene with the director and your class and the, and the acting teacher saying, try this intention, try that until the room goes, that was interesting to watch. That was risky. That was vulnerable. I'm essentially teaching vulnerability through breath and voice. Wouldn't you agree, Devin? Absolutely. I mean, it's been integral for the last year and a half of my life. So yes, absolutely that. And I thought yeah. I was a pretty vulnerable person before, but it turns out well, there's always you, more. You, you were. Yeah. You were. And I've also said this before. Again, I'm going to talk your heads off, man. <laughs> um, vulnerability is often confused with intimacy and transparency. Those are three different things. Intimacy is sharing something personal. Transparency is telling the truth, mm. right? So intimacy is sharing a personal truth. Transparency is just telling the truth. I could say, I'm hungry right now. That's not intimate, it's transparent. Vulnerability is staying present when you cannot control the outcome. I love that definition. Yeah, Brene Brown. That's not that. me. That's Brene. But we love her. Mm -hmm. You take all three of those things. And like, if I were to tell you right now, like, I don't know. Um, I used to, I have struggled with overeating. That doesn't feel vulnerable to me. That feels transparent. It doesn't even feel intimate. Hmm. But there are other things that I could say that thinking about them make my heart pound and my throat tighten. That's how we know I'm stepping into vulnerability and intimacy because now you have the power to reject me. Mm. Right. Right. And I mean, that original phrase, I've struggled with overeating, could be vulnerable for someone else. Exactly. Right? Like depending exactly. on their relationship with it. Exactly right. Oh, I love that. I just got chills. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to move, segue us along in a really smooth fashion as I'm known to do. Um, but because I want to be conscious of your time and our time, um, I have two, two final questions, um, that I wouldn't, I know they're probably going to be like a little bit more pack a punch than, than fun. But, um, I mean, they're always fun, but, um, one, I would love to know what you are most proud of in your life. Doesn't need to be your work, just your life as of right now. And then I'm going to ask the second one after. It's funny that you asked that question because I'm having, I'm navigating that term in my life right now and, and navigating whether or not I am to be proud of anything mm. because there are things I'm, 
satisfied with. I'm very satisfied with that. And I'm happy that I did that. And I'm really, really satisfied with my work over there. But to be proud of something, I think to be proud of something means that I have ownership over it. And I don't think I have, I don't, I don't even have ownership over my own breath. Hmm. And so perhaps I'm wrong about this and I'll feel different when I'm 33 or 37, but where I sit now, I don't know if I'm proud of anything because I don't really have ownership of anything. I don't think that anything is actually mine. And that is the tension I feel in my soul all the time Mm -hmm. is the belief that everything is mine when truly nothing is, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you were to, are you asking what I'm most satisfied with in my life that I have created or done? If that's a helpful phrasing, then yes. Okay. I'm very satisfied by my relationship with my mother because we've been through it. I love that. And we have both, we have both committed to each other. Regardless of where we go, we, we will still We'll, we'll still be a team. Mm. You know, she says this to me all the time, or she used to when I was a kid, we would fight, we would make up and she'd say, we're a team, we're a team. And we recently had a very large fight. And these are the kind of fights that would cause a mother and, and her only son to stop speaking. But we have both decided to stay regardless of the outcome. We've both chosen vulnerability. And I'm very, very proud of that. <laughs> I think that's very worthy of being proud of. Yeah, that's a sweet answer. I think that's a a lot of an answer that most people don't necessarily get, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. just whether or not it comes down to communication, relationship, circumstance, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, I think it really creates an impact when you're able to be vulnerable and safe and be committed to a relationship like that, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. it takes work. I love that question because you really do get like something completely different from everyone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and such a like very like small taste of like who that person is and what's important to them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be about. a consistent question for all of our guests. So, yeah, you know, I'm just always curious what people like to um, kind of, as you said, almost call their own or um, become satisfied with something that they're, they've worked really hard at, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because I do think that's really special uh, and something worth recognizing. Absolutely. Honestly. Um, so final question, where can we find more of you? Where can we learn more of you? How do people get in touch with you? I know I sing your praises all day uh-huh. long, but where would people like to go? Um, well, they, there's the there's the Instagram. We love uh, the Instagram. At, Say it. Let's at go. Raji Asan, R-A-J-I-A-H-S-A-N. Uh, there's the website, rajasan.com, which is always improving. And uh, I think that's it. Um, I feel like you also have a podcast. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, was mentioned earlier. I think it was maybe in. Yes, there the is. There is the Rajasan show. I, I have fallen off of that horse like. I've fallen off of the horse and then gotten trampled by it. Um, and so I'm like putting my bones back together. Creative projects because, will do that to you. That's oh true. my God. I just like, there's so many things I want to do. You know what I mean? And they all feel like genuine expressions of me. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm this hamster on a wheel, just like looking to get discovered, even though I am, 
a hamster on wheels. Well, like right. Working. I mean, who too. isn't? But like, they're all. I like. I love interviewing people, and I love writing, and I love acting, and I love teaching. And so there's like a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, is the life of a creative <laughs> a content creator. One might we say. do know. I do know that coming up are two episodes of the podcast. One with Golden Girls director Lex Passeris, remembering the life of Betty White with Lex okay. Passeris. Wow. That's coming up. Three lessons we can learn from the life of Betty White with Lex. And then coming up is an interview with television director Lily Marier, who directed the episode of Promised Land that I did where I played a doctor. And she was a, a doctor on ER before she became a television director. Hmm. And she was wonderful to wow. work with. She was so kind, so inclusive, so generous, mm. so present. And because I'm a Warner Brothers nut, because she did ER, which was like one of Warner's step staples in the 90s and the, and the 2000s, I couldn't believe I was being directed by her. And she was so sweet. She agreed to do my show. And she said Incredible. some wonderful things about knowing how how to identify yourself because she started as a dancer and then she became mm -hmm. an actor now she's a director and but at the base of everything she's lily lily <laughs> lily <laughs> lil at the Here base of everything she's lily she's first and foremost a dancer in her heart and she shares with us how to go about which one she wanted to be a television director so she asked all the tv directors she knew if she could shadow them if they would watch her stuff and she just kept asking wow. you know I think so those two things so are humbling, honestly, yeah. like just to think like to keep asking, you know, mm -hmm. like after asking. you've already gotten rejected or, you know, maybe not now, like just to keep asking. I love that. I think. And honestly, like those are the people who are going to change culture anyways. Mm -hmm. So like, I love yeah. that. Wow. Two episodes to look forward to. I My know. Gosh. Honestly. Here's hoping that I actually do them. You'll do them. Well, now we're really I excited need a, about I need them. Simon so we'll harass you need. about them. <laughs> Here's the accountability yeah. you weren't looking for. <laughs> Who's your editor? Simon, is that his name? Simon, yeah. Simon. Yeah, Simon. I need him. Okay, I'll send him your oh, way. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's great. We love him. Shout out to Simon. Thank you for doing all the things for us Answering all our that questions. we don't want to do. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> um, well, Raji, thank you so much for coming yes. on, being our first Zoom guest and Ooh. teaching us how to do Zoom technology. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and just also for being a wonderful human friend a wonderful actor it's always a pleasure so we will see you on the flip side yeah we'd love to chatting with you all right i'm gonna pretend i know how to stop this recording um okay.